chance to do a little bit of public work today. So first thing I would like to do is, um, my family's been going through a couple of tribulations lately and trials, and I would like to thank everyone for their compassion and love. Some have brought food to help crystallize through a difficult time. They have shown friendship, compassion, love, care, just to name a few. And we appreciate that. They're part of the story of Paul. This is a real good thing that people do. They're following that God and you know, and we recognize that. Right now, you know, Crystal's mother, she's been showing signs of a failing body. Sorry. <clears throat> it seems that she may be going to see her father kind of soon. infirmities will pass and our spirit goes on. I'd like to share a portion of Matthew 25, starting in verse 39. For the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him. Then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall he gather all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as shepherd divided his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye, bless, O my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked and clothed, naked and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying. When shall we all? When, when saw we thee and the hunger and fed thee or thirsty and gave thee drink? Step on three. That's what it says. When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in or naked or clothed thee. So people are asking Jesus, you know, what, what are you talking about? You know, you've never been in prison yet. You know? We haven't seen you in prison. Why, why would we have to like, do all these things? <clears throat> or when we saw thee sick or in prison, and the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as we have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, you have done unto me. So this is a comparison that. God's making, saying that even though I wasn't in prison, this is how you should live your life. You should try to take care of one another. You, you should feed the hungry. You should 
do all these things that that he talks about. Then shall they say unto him on the left hand, Depart from me, be cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. This is the goats. They get what they deserve. For I was hungry, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and you clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and you visited me not. And of course, they ask the same question again, you know, well, in chapter, verse 44, then shall they also ask him, saying, Lord, when, shall, when saw he thee hungry, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, insomuch as ye did not to one of these, of these you did not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but righteous into eternal. So I'd like to pray. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord, for the compassion you have shown us. Thank you for the loving us unconditionally. Thank you, Lord, for giving. Help us follow your example to show strength and wisdom to help one another when needed. Amen. So that was kind of a little something I added to the beginning of my message today. And to like like I say, thank everybody for their help when when I guess we needed it. You know, that's that's a very So I'd like to go to Ezekiel. This was my message I was preached today. Uh, chapter 1. This is about the glory of God. And let me give you a little bit of history on Ezekiel for just a moment. Ezekiel was a captive after the fall of Israel when the Babylonians utterly defeated him because of their defiant actions against God's commandments and laws. God would not accept the worship of idols that directly opposed his commandments. They had the tools and instructions from God to follow his commandments, but were influenced by the sin they had learned from their forefathers. Psalm 78 gives us the best example of why God went up against Israel. Psalm 78 shows us how the generation that was saved from Egypt's grip rebelled against God, even though they could see God's glory, power, and miracles when traversing through the desert. Many would not hearken to the Lord God and keep his testimonies. Many embraced their own desires of their hearts and rebuked, rejected, and provoked God. Ultimately, they paid with their lives and would not see the promised land. So I'll give you a few examples in uh, Psalm 78, um, chapter verse 10. They kept not my covenant of God. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law. 
verse 17. And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. Verse 22. Because they believed not God and trusted not in his salvation. Verse 37. For their heart was not right with him, neither were they steadfast in his covenant. Verse 40. How odd did they provoke him in the wilderness and, and grieve him in the desert? 56. Yet they tempered and provoked the Most High God and kept not his testimonies. You want to read something you know, about what happened to the children of Israel when they left uh, Egypt, when God helped them get out of Egypt with Moses. Psalm 78 gives a pretty clear uh, description of that and really shows us, you know, how stubborn people can be. We see today the same rebellious nature and rejection of Christ. Um, in chapter 1 of Ezekiel, Ezekiel, seeing the glory of God come to him, next to the Chabar River. The Chabar River is located in southern Iraq today, just north of the Persian Gulf. First, Ezekiel hears a great wind coming from the north and sees a fire in the sky coming in his direction. Can you imagine seeing in that day and age a fire shooting across the sky? Today it might be a rocket, a plane, they didn't have planes back then. Maybe you would think it was a meteorite. Maybe you would think it was a bird. Maybe it's far away. You saw, what is that bird? What is that up there in the sky? Did I mention the lightning shooting out of the, out of the fire? That might be kind of crazy to see lightning you know, shooting out of the fire, you know, screaming to you. Put aside that must have been. So this is kind of a controversial part of chapter one. Uh, I actually spent some time on this trying to discover what the four creatures in chapter one is about in Ezekiel. Ezekiel, he observes four creatures that have four faces. The one on the front was the face of a man. The one on the right was the face of a lion. The one on the left was the face of an ox. And on the back was the face of an eagle. Each side had four wings, with hands under their wings. A man, a man, human hands. And their feet was like the soles of a calf. Some have interpreted the four faces to represent different qualities. I kind of like these qualities, but they're, I haven't found them in the Bible explained like this. But I'll, I'll let you know what they are. Anyway. Intelligence was for the man, the, the first days. Power and confidence was for the lion. Service and dedication was for the ox. And keen vision and awareness was for the eagle. Sounds good. And I did notice that 
this particular description was by the Jehovah Witnesses. They tend to make some things up, unfortunately, because I haven't found this anywhere in the Bible. I don't, now, I don't know about you, this month has been quite a surprise. What would be going up on, what would be going through your mind seeing this scene unfold? And what would you be thinking? What I described to you is like something that you would never imagine. <laughs> Some people say, how could you think, how could you make this up? There's also a wheel involved with a wheel inside inside one of the creatures that, that Ezekiel had seen. Then the creatures stand across from each other and present God to Ezekiel with their wings toward, pointed towards each other as one creature is standing on the next. In chapter 10, he talks about that creature being able to angels. Ezekiel realizes the glory of God is in front of him. What an amazing thing to experience that. Maybe we all will experience that someday. Ezekiel, when when the person that when God stands up from his throne, Ezekiel falls on his face trembling in fear. And God says to him, do not fear. And he picks him up. So you might think, well, you know, how long would it take someone to process this kind of a, this kind of thing? You know, how long would it take someone to process that? Well, it says in uh, chapter 3, verse 15, Then I came to them of the captivity, captivity at Telgid, that dwelt by the river of Jabar. And I sat where they sat, and remained there astonished among them seven days. So I think Ezekiel basically he sat there for seven days trying to process what he was just seeing. I can believe that. It took me probably 12 days, <laughs> and I wasn't. Now be uh, looking at Ezekiel 13 at this point. When we look at how the Egyptians lived before Jesus appeared to the world, this is not in chapter 13 yet, but I'm just giving you reference so you can get that <clears throat> When we look at how the Egyptians lived before Jesus appeared to the world, leaders in charge during that this time looked at all the people in the world. They wanted law and order to balance out the injustice. They made a crucial error. They tried to create gods to atone for their wrongs through their imagination, a lot like what we have created in our laws today. Their imagination was interesting. In 
everybody's seen you know, a movie that these blogs on and some kind of Egyptian, you know, mummy leader or whatnot. And, you know, we've all seen what archaeologists have found in Egypt. I even myself even went to the Seattle Center when I was a child and was able to witness a lot of these treasures brought from Egypt, you know, in England Pavilion, to show you what these great treasures were. And they were great. I stood in front of a pass, a King Tut pass, everybody's seen King Tut pass. I think it's all gold, it was big. There were guards next to it. It was interesting. So, we look at the pyramids, the monument most likely created for a man, a pharaoh, and absolutely here in Egypt. With all his power and resources, the pharaoh began to lose control. He knew deep in his heart what he created was never going to make him a god, but he must have thought that if I act like a god, then I will become a god. That's my only explanation. I don't see anything else. The truth of the matter is, he didn't follow God's laws and created his own. Ezekiel 13, 1. And the word of the Lord, and the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesies against the prophets of Israel that prophesies, and say unto them that prophecy out of their own hearts, hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, woe unto the foolish prophets that follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. We have a lot of that going on today with other denominations. They're making things up. This is kind of a warning. This is what Ezekiel was there for. He was to, to warn the children of Israel while they were still in captivity and they still can't follow God's laws. Let's see here, verse 4. O Israel, thy prophets are like the foxes in the desert. Ye have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the edge for the house of Israel to stand in battle. In the day of the Lord. They have seen vanity and lying deviation, saying, The Lord saith, and the Lord hath not sent them, and they have made others to hope that they would confirm the word. So this is God saying, No, I didn't send these, I, I didn't give these prophets any instruction to say what they're saying. So God's talking to Ezekiel. Have you not seen a vain vision and have not spoken a light deviation? Whereas you say, the Lord saith, abide, I have not spoken. Therefore say the Lord God, because ye have spoken vanity and seen lies, therefore behold, I am against you. And my, my hand shall come upon the prophets that see vanity and divine lines, and shall not 
assembly of my people. Here to show they will be written in the writing of the house of Israel. Here shall they enter into the land of Israel. And he shall know that I am the Lord God. Because even because they have seduced my people, saying, Peace, and there was no peace. And one built up a wall, and while others dogged it with untempered mortar. With untempered mortar, I'll let you know right now, that's the truth. That's the truth about God. When you use something that's not true, it just can't stand. And so they're, gonna, they're talking about you know, walls that they're just not going to stand because it's untempered mortar. <clears throat> Say unto them, which dot it with untempered mortar, that it shall be, it shall fall. There shall be an overflowing shower, and O great hailstones shall fall, and the stormy wind shall rend it. Lo, the wall is fallen. Shall it not be said unto you, Where is the dogging wherewith ye have dogged? So that's the untempered mortar again. Where's this? Where's this truth? Where is this truth that holds things together? This is why things are falling apart. Therefore, saith the Lord God, I even rend the stormy wind of my fury, and there shall be an overflowing shower in my anger, and great hailstones in my fury to consume it. So will I break down the wall, and ye adopt with untempered mortar, and bring down the ground, so that the foundation thereof shall be discovered, and it shall fall, and we shall be consumed in the midst thereof, and shall be no bed, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Thus I will accomplish my wrath upon the wall, and upon them that have dogged it with untempered mortar, and say unto you, The wall is no more, neither that dogged it. To wit, the prophets of Israel, which prophesies concerning Jerusalem, and which see visions of peace for her, and there is no peace. A lot of things are happening in the world today. They're saying there's peace, and there's not. They're saying there's no inflation, and there is. Later in the ancient Egyptian period, leaders after the pharaohs who discovered that the entire facade was not real and abolished most of the gods that seemed to not make sense anymore. This is how our great nation has been operating today. Separate, separate God from our lives and listen to the world. Listen to what we know in our hearts to be wrong. At some point, we can lose the same kind of control in our lives, just like the Egyptians did. We break a law and we receive a fine or a loss of freedom to remind us through the pain that we, if we repeat this wrong, that the same result would be During the Egyptian time, rules were gods. If you committed sin against the gods, then you would have to pay the sum way that's you know, paid some way that specific God through an alms. This was created by man to atone for their own 
this probably seemed to help, but it had flaws, just like our laws today, created by man. Eventually, the Egyptians created gods for immoral purposes and tried to make an reality that was against our true God, in a sense, legal and just. We see this today in the laws created by God. A new parable today is right is wrong, Probably most of us already have heard this. Examples would be laws created against the church and state, to separate the church and state. This attempt has been implemented and codified in our laws to separate us from our God, Jesus Christ. I've given to you today my best understanding of what I have read and experienced in my life. I would like to take this to chapter 16. The first part of this chapter of life explains in a good way how God has accepted us into his heart. I'll start at verse 1. Again, the Lord God came unto me, saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations, and say, Thus saith the Lord unto Jerusalem, Thy birth and thy activity is of the land father was and thy mother was a Hittite. And as for thy activity in the day that was born, thy navel was not cut, neither was thou washed in water to suckle thee, and thou wast not salted at all, nor swallowed at all. None I pity thee to do any of these unto thee, to have compassion but thou wast cast out in the open field to the loathing of thy person in the day that thou wast born. Now this is what this is what this is the part of life. And when I passed by thee, I saw thee polluted in thy own blood. I said unto thee, When wast thou in thy blood? Live ye, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. And I caused thee to multiply as a budding field, and thou increased and waxed and prayed. And thou art come excellent ornaments. Verse 2. When I passed by thee, I looked upon thee. Behold, thy time was a time of love, and I spread my skirt over thee. I swear unto thee, and entered into eternity with thee, saith the Lord God, and thou became his mind. So here God, he sees a baby in a field, thrown in a field, that's what we just read. And God, he, he comes to this uh, baby, and he, he's going to take care of it. And ultimately, what this is, is this is him talking about his I like how he talked about, you know, that he found a baby and that he was going to, like, show compassion and love and everything else that comes with, you know, a child. 
Then I watched thee in the water. Verse 9. Then I watched thee in the water. I thoroughly washed away the blood from thee, and I anointed thee with oil. And I clothed thee also with broidered work, and shod thee with bamboos and skin. And I girded thee about with fine linen, and I covered thee with silver. I decked thee also with ornaments, and I put bracelets upon thy hands. Put a jewel on thy forehead and earrings in thy ears, and a beautiful crown upon thy head. Thus was you decked with gold and silver, and thy raiment was fine and silk and glittered work. Thou didst fine flour and honey and oil, and thou was exceedingly beautiful, but thou didst prosper. Really interesting that how God come to know Israel. He found Israel and he made Israel his. Just like you know, in the New Testament, Jesus come to us and he made us all his at that point. So this is my message to you folks today. And I'm going to pass this off to the preacher. For a closing prayer, and I appreciate.